Welcome to this week's Think Tank. This week we go big, really, really big. We do a lot of statewide politics. We go a little bit bigger when we discuss national politics. But this week's topic, it's hard to get bigger than this. We're going to talk about the solar system and the universe and uh, life as it may or may not exist elsewhere in that universe. Our guest is Dr. Stan Awaki. And uh, he will be with us in just a moment when we begin this week's Think Tank. From KTAR News, this is the Think Tank, hosted by Dr. Mike O'Neill. Dr. Stan Owaki is an astrophysicist and an expert in space exploration and related issues. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hey, uh, thanks for having me. Well, l- let's get right to it. How did life form on Earth? Well, uh, according to what we best uh, know from the fossil record, um, the Earth is about four and a half billion years old. That's billion with a B. And life began maybe right around 400, uh, four, 4 billion years ago. So really only a few hundred million years after the Earth became cool enough and habitable, you know, temperate enough for life to form, life began relatively quickly, but only as very simple organisms. And it took a long time before more complex life uh, uh, evolved, more complex animal life. What's your line between simple? Is it, is it sing, by simple? Do you mean single, singular cell or? Well, uh, probably multi, uh, simple multicellular organisms did evolve slowly over time, um, uh, but the, there was a very comp, there was an explosion of complexity that occurred about about 500, 540 million years ago. It's called the Cambrian explosion. And that's where all the phyla that exists today appeared, first appeared in the, in the, in the fossil record. Um, and so uh, I, we went from sort of relatively simple multicellular organisms, maybe sort of like, um, uh, you know, piles of, uh, uh, you know, of, of cells together to complex animal and plant life that we know of today. When did that evolution begin? Well, well, it, that's the really surprising thing, that when you look at the fossil record, you find that almost in a, a, a very sharp boundary, uh, about 540 million years ago, all of a sudden, very complex, all the phyla that we, uh, animals that we see today, animals and plants, uh, suddenly appeared in the fossil record. And there's some debate about um, whether this is just a, matter of um, the fossil record not being complete before that, or whether there was some trigger that caused this uh, enormous explosion in complexity. So that was my question, uh, and and maybe your answer, maybe I just inferred that the answer is I don't know, but what happens, so we've got these simple, often single-cell organisms. Uh, and I, I've learned from you offline in discussing that that getting from kind of total inert stuff to single cell organisms is not the kind of the difficult part. Is that a that's fair cool. statement? The the, the difficult right. part is going from these really and, and I think the fear. Help me if I'm here. I'm not a scientist, but to me, 
uh, the definition of, this is just my intuition, the, the definition of life is it's something that self-perpetuates, that reproduces. Right. Is that a that, fair that statement? Is, yeah, that's right. It's something that um, life basically needs kind of four, well, four things. One is the it needs energy. It needs to be able to draw energy from somewhere so it can sort of go from being randomly, uh, you know, disordered to being very ordered. It, in our, in most of life on Earth today, that energy comes from the sun, but it also needs the right chemistry, which is basically um, a mixture of water. And then carbon is, is the essential ingredient for life because carbon can form very complex chains uh, molecularly, and that allows there for to be great complexity. But anytime you have those uh, those ingredients, and then a lot of a lot of time, you know, basically life will uh, be able to reproduce and change and mutate until it gets to different. And then each new, according to Darwin's theory of, of evolution, each new uh, change that happens to be more suited to the environment is more is preferred and that and that's how uh, life eventually uh, changes over a large uh, a large amount of time before we i'm focusing on the first step okay we got all this inert stuff it's not Mm -hmm. life it's stuff at some point we get to life which self-perpetuates what Mm -hmm. what gets matter to cross that boundary you've 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 said you've got to have these conditions but is there a spark? Is there a thing that does that? Or or does this just spontaneously occur? And when you have all these things, how often would one expect that to occur? Is that just a freak thing that's sort of a one in a billion? Or is if you got the, all these conditions, do you pretty much, it's going to happen at some point? Well, that, that's a very complicated question. I mean, the best research that has been done on this is if you take a mixture of all the fundamental ingredients and put it in a a, a, you know, a, a solution of liquid, and then you do something like, say, put sparks through it, you find that very complex molecules will start to form, proteins mm-hmm. and amino acids and so forth. And um, and those have the ability to form large chains. And then uh, if they get collected inside of a, a sort of little spheres and they can The details of how this occurs is still, of course, being we don't have the ability to replicate that. Mm -hmm. But the evidence from the fossil record is that life uh, occurred really pretty quickly after the Earth became uh, warm enough and or cool enough and had liquid oceans. Life appeared relatively quickly after the beginning of the Earth. After the con- long- after the conditions were right. After the conditions, after the conditions, that probably occurred, like I say, somewhere around four billion years ago. Mm-hmm. That the Earth became cool enough and had liquid oceans, and during that time, relatively quickly after Earth, and there's even some suggestions that life could have maybe. Um, started a couple of times and then was destroyed by asteroids hitting the earth. The early part of the solar system was very chaotic. There were still lots of things hitting the earth. Um, and so it could have been that life got started a couple of times and then got wiped out and then restarted. So the, if in that case, it tells you that once you have the right conditions, simple life forms relatively quickly. At least that's the, the general thought. Okay. Now, by the way, you said Earth's about four and a half billion years old, as best we understand it. Solar system, right. same age? Was the solar system? Uh, the solar much? system is roughly the same age. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, it, may, it may have taken the sun 
may have taken like say maybe a few tens or maybe a hundred million years to, to form all the planets. The early the early solar system was very chaotic. All the different planets were in the process of forming. Things were colliding with each other. Even the Earth, for example, had a collision late and relatively late on uh, uh, in which knocked off material and that formed the moon. And uh, and so there was a very complex. Uh, uh, process that occurred but after a few hundred million years then earth was was relatively quiescent and could cool down and had the key point is it had lots and lots of liquid water on its surface mm-hmm. now where that water came from is, is still a matter of debate but general indications are that 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 the water came from uh icy asteroids or comets hitting the earth um and then that give gave the earth all the water to make the oceans oh so the or the water didn't start out on earth it came from somewhere else well that's still a matter of debate some mm-hmm. people believe that it was inherent in the earth some people believe that this collision with this um body that made the moon made mm-hmm. most of the water disappear and you had to get reliquified as it were by the mm-hmm. impact of comets but anyway liquid water is key to life as we know it almost every organism requires water because water is a solvent that can transport nutrients and so forth now you mentioned that earth is that we're largely carbon based and that that was one of the key elements for life on earth as we know it is there a reason why in other places we could not have life forms that are based on other than carbon or is carbon well, appear to be people, essential there people have speculated that another element in the periodic table that has a lot of the similar chemistry to carbon is silicon mm-hmm. and there's even a star trek episode in which you had a silicon being uh, it was called a horta mm-hmm. and but most people when you look carefully at how differences between silicon and carbon carbon is really unique in its ability to form stable long chains here's a key point when the universe first started, it was made of only hydrogen and helium. But then through the process of nuclear synthesis inside of stars, other elements appeared. And so today, um, the most common element in the universe is hydrogen. Second is helium. The third is oxygen. The fourth is carbon. So the third and the fourth most abundant element in the universe, carbon and oxygen are the, and hydrogen, are all key to formation of life. Water is Hydrogen plus oxygen, H2O. Car, uh, carbon chemistry then just takes lots of oxygen and uh, carbon dioxide, for instance, is carbon and oxygen. And and then hydrocarbons, uh, uh, carbon, which that's what we eat. That's what the hydrocarbons that we eat, carbohydrates. And that's all food that basically – so the point is, is that the most abundant element in the universe – are the are the key ingredients of life? Let me let me so get us back, if I could, to the timeline. So the Earth yeah. is now um, five hundred million years old, thereabouts. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry, yeah, you're right. The Earth is four and a half billion, but uh, about five hundred million years into it, we've got this simple form, and that's when I believe you tell me we start to evolve into we start to evolve more complex forms. Right. Uh, what right. is it? How how freak an accident is that? Well, that's, and that's, and what conditions produce that? That's the key question that nobody is quite sure of. Uh, that's a key research question. But what the key point is that it was it's five and a half, it's four and a half billion years old. Life probably began four billion years ago. Simple life. Simple life. Simple life. Mm-hmm. And then it took four. It took three and a half billion years 
for the complex life to occur. Mm-hmm. So there was this long, slow cook. Think about it as sort of like a slow cooker that you leave on all day. And, and at the end, you know, it gets hot enough that then there's this explosion for, for life to occur. And so if you think about it in terms of, a, of like a calendar, if you think of the beginning of life on Earth as being on January 1st, in the, you know, first, second after midnight, well, it, you know, the first uh, life appeared uh, probably in February or January or February, you know, sort of late January, early February. But then it took a long eight more months, eight, eight or nine more months for, for more complex life to form, um, sort of like maybe November. And then if you actually think about and life, that and, and what and what are we talking about there? What what kind of things? What you're saying, oh, more. just um, fishes, all kinds of fishes, all kinds of uh, almost all the phyla that all the uh, classes of, of life that exist today. So, stuff we'd all, recognize now, it might not be identical, would, yeah, but they, we would, they, they might not be identical, but they are clearly related in you know, uh, uh, chem, in, in terms of uh, have related, you know, of. Characteristics to things, plants and animals that we would recognize as such. Right, you know, of course that that didn't just all appear, uh, you know, the same form as today. It took a long time. You know, we had to go through the dinosaurs and so forth. Mammals form, you know, first started to come about about a couple hundred million years ago. And that's all October, November, using your that's November, November, December is where where complex life is. End of middle November Mm -hmm. till till December. And then if you think about uh, our appearance on the scene with the last few minutes of the of the calendar year, we're a very, very short time. We've been around for maybe a million years uh, as a species at the most. And that sounds like and, a lot until you put it on your calendar. That's right. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of time, but compared to four and a half billion years, that's four and a half. Mm-hmm. That's four thousand four and a half four thousand five hundred million years. Uh, that's <laughs> That's how long life has been. But if we and, and we've been here, put it another way, we've been here. If we've been here a million years, I think you said, but yeah. we've had recorded history for what thirty thousand or something like that. Yeah, thirty thousand years. So that would be the last few seconds of mm-hmm. of the cosmic calendar. And uh, so uh, anyway, the point is, is that because it took so long for this complex life to occur, the big question is how frequent is that in other places in the universe? And this is a key question is, is Earth uh, kind of a prototype or is it a very rare special place that just happened to have all these special conditions for that, that stability to, for life, but also enough kind of rolling of the dice, like hitting you know, mass extinctions that occurred that wiped out the dinosaurs. If that, com- that comet that hit the Earth 65 million years ago hadn't hit the Earth, the dinosaurs would still be around right. and we wouldn't be here. Let me, ru- so- let me run some speculation that takes off on mm-hmm. what you just said. Yep. Let's assume for a second that what happened on Earth was so freakish that it was like a, a one in a billion kind of probability, right. okay? Right. If you... Consider the size of the universe, which is many, many billions and billions of billions right. of places. If, yes. if you put those two together and you do the math, then there's an overwhelming probability that there are life forms elsewhere, probably billions of them, but highly likely that none of them are remotely reachable to us. Does that seem reasonable? That's- that's a, that's essentially the point, I guess, is that that life, if you take the size of the universe, 
We live in a, a galaxy where there are f- three or 400 billion stars. The sun is sort of an average typical star. And, and, uh, but then, there are, then are, there are a trillion other galaxies in the universe. So when you multiply those two things together, it's almost uh, un, 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 without question that life has evolved, you know, advanced life. Probably in billions elsewhere. of places, none of which we can ever reach. But the problem is that they would be hundred. The time it would take a radio signal to reach us would be anywhere from tens of thousands to million or even billion years. And that's know? at the speed and of light. That's at the speed of light. And so, so the point is, is that even if we take the most well, the question is, is then if we take our own galaxy, where it would only take a few thousand years for you know the local region around our galaxy. What are the chances that life exists within, say, a thousand light years of Earth? Well, it's probably pretty small, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. And a thousand and, light uh, year is incomprehensibly beyond our ability to reach. That's right, for us to travel, because it light, would take light a thousand years to travel. We can only do, like, the fastest thing was the, uh, the fastest humans that have ever traveled are the astronauts uh, who went to the moon, and that was roughly uh, one thousandth the speed of light. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and and even if we were to get, and, and it gets harder and harder to get closer and closer to the speed of light for reasons of that Einstein taught us. You know, I have one other thought about. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it, it is obviously a great fantasy that we have to encounter encounter beings from elsewhere, but. One of the things in, in in what you've just described is the even though such entities are likely to exist, they are overwhelmingly likely to be so distant that we will never encounter. I would still, you know, in terms of this fantasy, even if by some freak occurrence one of these happens to be really, really close, which is possible though extremely unlikely from the mathematics you just described, I'm thinking even on our own planet, encounters between more and less developed civilizations where that differences were in the scheme of things microscopic have never worked out well for the less developed. Uh, that, be careful right. what that's, you that's wish a, for. <laughs> that's a, something that um, Stephen Hawking uh, actually said before he died, uh, is that we shouldn't be, we should be quiet. We shouldn't announce our existence to the rest of the universe. If there happen to be beings that are out there, they're intelligent beings, they're almost certainly going to be much more advanced than us. Because, be, of because we because were formed on this timeline from time, December, yeah. January through December 31st. We That's were right. born a couple of seconds well, before the end of January 3rd. Yes. And if there is, and, and if evolution occurred more or less randomly in different places, any right. place that had a sentient being, it is infinitely... Uh, probable that they are unbelievably more advanced than we are, and that, we might be viewed as right. kind of as we would view plant life. And that's one of the key questions, right? Is if if they are that much more advanced, have they managed to travel around the universe? You know, popul- go to other star systems. And this is something that um, Enrico Fermi had a famous uh, thing called Fermi's paradox, where basically he said. If life is so common in the universe, where are they? Where are I mean, they should be apparent. They should be around. Of course, some people, you know, think that we've de- detected uh, that we've you know, UFOs and so forth. But the point is, science requires for extraordinary claims requires extraordinary evidence. Has anyone, for example, who supposedly uh, got pick, picked up by a spacecraft 
and flown around and then brought back to Earth. They brought back an iPhone in 1970. You would have said, hey, that's pretty strong proof. That's, that's pretty good. <laughs> but, but the point is, is that, you know, they didn't. All they do is they have these fanciful stories, you know, that, you know, if it's if, he, if you're making a story and he claims this is one of the things Carl Sagan really emphasized, you need to have extraordinary evidence for extraordinary claims. And so the best evidence right now is that we haven't been visited by any beings, but that's not possible. It's not impossible, but it's just extremely, really extremely yeah. improbable, I think, would be the well, inference. If, if, if it turns out that Earth is very rare. So mm -hmm. most of the ideas that I'm telling you right now come from this really wonderful book called Rare Earth. It's uh, by Peter Ward and Donald Brownlee. And it's actually it really changed people's view, scientific views about about how common life, uh, advanced animal life is likely to be. And but they do make the point that simple life, simple, or, 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 you know, microbial or multicellular life is probably very common. And so, for example, one of the great opportunities we have in our lifetime is that there are places uh, in our solar system, uh, the moons of the giant planets, Jupiter and Saturn, that have liquid oceans underneath the surface. Now, in, on, the, on the Earth, oceans were the origin of life. But we're not sure whether ocean life on the Earth began in the deep ocean or in the surface. The difference is that today life uses the energy from the sun to, to power its life. But there are also places in the deep ocean where there's volcanic eruptions. These are called the deep ocean. These are um, mm. deep ocean vents where there's a whole complex uh, biology of life that lives off the energy of, that's being emitted from the Earth's interior. So under these moons of, of Jupiter and Saturn, um, there's a good possibility that there's something similar going on and that basically life could be evolving in those oceans. And we have the ability today, you know, within the next decades, a few decades, to actually go and, and try to look directly. We don't have to travel to other star systems to see whether Simple life might have evolved well, in these moons of, of, of Jupiter and Saturn. But my takeaway from what you've, what, from what I've learned in this last twenty minutes, is mm -hmm. that were we to find microbial life on Mars, for example, mm -hmm. um, it is very unlikely to be predictive of little green men that, with whom we'll be able to interact. That, that that's right, but it would at least answer. <clears throat> excuse me, it would at least answer half of the key question we have, which is we, we think that, that life can spark and simple life can start very easily. Mm -hmm. But if we find another instance here in our solar system where life, simple life has, has started, that basically answers that part of the question. That mm -hmm. basically gives us two examples. Right now we have just Earth as our only example. And when you only have one example, you know, you can speculate a lot of things. And so we really need to go mm -hmm. and do this Test. This is one of the NASA is going to be sending missions to these to these uh, icy moons. Uh, there's something called Juice, the Jupiter Icy Moon Explorer, uh, that's going to be launched, I think, in a few years. And um, but there's another one that's really quite remarkable. Uh, orbiting the planet Saturn is a, a small moon called Enceladus, where we've detected actual uh, geysers, icy geysers coming out of the south pole of that moon. And, and uh, a, a mission called Cassini actually flew through those plumes, and it did detect uh, 
the chemistry of the of the was there, but it didn't have the instrumentation to detect complex organic chemistry, things like very you know, proteins and things, uh, amino acids and so forth. And so one of the hopes is to do is to fly a more uh, suitable uh, mission that could go and fly through those plumes well, and maybe even land on the pl- on the moon and try to drill down into the ocean. More to come, and uh, you have stretched our thinking. I want to thank you for being here. Dr. Stanley Owicki, you are a professor of astronomy at the University of Delaware, and I, I thank you for joining the Think Tank. It has been a mind-stretching uh, half hour, and we appreciate your involvement. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for having me, and that, welcome to my life. My, my mind gets stretched every day by doing the work I do. <laughs> Thanks very much. Yeah.